welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Bros and Consoles podcast mini-series solo gaming updates, episode 38. I am one half of your host, as always, Nathan Choquette, aka the Trophy Titan, coming to you on February 4th, 2021. I need to take a breath every so often. Man, it seems like it's been a hot minute since I had an episode out here, but yeah, I guess that's kind of what it feels like, Morgan, once I'm doing more of a weekly episode rather than kind of a bi-weekly thing, but feels good. feels good to kind of have a little bit of a time in between. I feel like I get to play more things in between, so I have more to kind of report on and give feedback on and whatnot, but it's been pretty good. I've been enjoying things quite a bit, and some things not enjoying quite so much, but we'll get to that a little bit later. (laughs) Um, As always, got a little bit of a hot topic going on right now um we're away from the whole like GameStop stuff that's that was going on previously um that one is not going to be the hot topic here i think quick update for that it seems like the stocks as we kind of all knew they would um have dropped back uh to somewhat normal levels uh, they're not crazy high as they were before but i think the last time i saw earlier today they were around like the 50 dollar mark or so um, so I think in comparison to the high point um, that they reached, I believe what I read is that they are basically kind of, they've experienced like uh, somewhere in the 80s, uh, 80% drop in um, the like total value, I should say. So yeah, we kind of figured these, this was going to happen eventually. We didn't really think that it was going to like, you know, last forever because stocks in general don't last forever um, being the way they are and stuff. So it's okay. That's kind of people are moving on. Hopefully this will teach lessons about the stock market to like, you know, people that are trying to prey on those things. And hopefully it's the last time we have to talk about it in regards to video games because it's a little bit too serious for my book over here. But some cool news that we had um, earlier this week, I believe, is that we are finally getting the date for Mass Effect Legendary Edition. That is for you guys who are unaware, and gals as well. Um, it is the collection, of, or I should say the, the proper trilogy of the Mass Effect series. Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 that was previously only playable on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. So basically, now that we are into you know next-gen, which is now current-gen, it all gets confusing real fast, but we're basically two generations away from when we were originally able to play it. It feels pretty good to know that we've got this coming up and coming up relatively soon. So everybody, hope you guys are ready for a May 14th release date I'm coming to you guys on the PS4 and Xbox One, but of course going to be backwards compatible using the Xbox Series X and S or the... Um, the PS5. I was—I don't know why I'm blanking on the system name that I own. It's very, very strange. It's also kind of late today. <laughs> today is a much later episode than usual, just because time zones are a little bit different and thrown off and whatnot. But all good stuff. All good stuff. It's—it's it's nice to have a full like release date and everything. The trailer that got put out with the release date, whoo, brought back so many good memories. Um, my favorite—I would say like in terms of kind of thinking back on things. I would probably go as far as to say that the Mass Effect series is my favorite franchise as far as kind of like multiple game um, series and whatnot. And I don't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that beats it. 
I don't know if I count necessarily. I, I guess in my head, I kind of think of like a franchise having more than just two games. So once Spider-Man um, or the the you know PS4 slash now PS5 series Spider-Mans, once they have a third game in their you know pocket and whatnot, then it'll probably unseat Mass Effect. But man, as far as like you know great video games and nostalgia value goes and whatnot the Mass Effect series is at the top, I believe. Um, even more so than Fire Emblem, just because I probably haven't played as many Fire Emblem games as I should have played. But, yeah, man, such such good stuff in that series in general. I can't wait to be able to go and play as... Um, I, I always played as Male Shepherd. I know that I heard that Female Shepherd, for a lot of people, was the kind of go-to character. Um, I'm not sure if it was, like, just different dialogue or just kind of overall... Uh, how would you say that? Like voice presentation and whatnot, just like voice performance. Um, it seems like Female Shepherd has always kind of been the like top tier version of it, but I tend to play most games as male characters. Um, very few games I'll end up playing as female characters. Uh, one of the more recent examples would be, I guess, Immortals Phoenix Rising, but it's kind of a special case when I play as female characters. Usually it's because it feels more... I guess, right playing as a female character. Um, so like for Phoenix Rising, that one has always kind of been shown off as the main character is a female. So in my mind, that's just kind of the way to go. But for the Mass Effect series, when the kind of marketing was going and whatnot originally, it was really kind of always showing male Shepard. So it's, I think I noticed that in the newest trailer that kind of had the release date and whatnot for the Legendary Edition, they did show both you know male Shepard and female Shepard. So it's cool to see that we've kind of got both in there getting equal love and whatnot and sh- seemingly this time kind of pushing both sides so that, you know, it's it's very apparent to people who haven't played the series that, you know, you can kind of choose your own adventure and everything kind of hinges on your own choices and whatnot. But it's, it's kind of just like crazy to think that there are people who have not played the Mass Effect series at all. Um, even people who are like my age and older and stuff that haven't played this because... Man, it's if if you're really into you know video games as a, as a whole, then the Mass Effect series is one that you should not sleep on at all. Um, so if you're interested in that at all, it's got the um, pre-orders up right now, I believe. It is I think I said fifty nine ninety nine, and you get the you know like I said all three games. You get f- over forty DLC items, everything in four K ultra high definition resolutions. Woo! It's looking, it's looking real good. I'm getting real excited. And the nice thing about a May 14th release is that I get to start playing it on my birthday. So a little bit of a, a happy birthday to myself. Um, since since it technically comes out on the 13th, if you're getting it uh, pre-ordered and whatnot digitally. So I feel like um, on a small aside here, I've been buying a lot more things digitally as opposed to disc-wise, which... On the one hand, is weird because I ended up getting the disc edition of the PS5 on purpose so that I could use my old discs from PS4. But it's also kind of, you know, it's it's a hassle to get up and change out discs all the time and whatnot. It's so much easier to just kind of scroll over digitally and then click on the thing you want to play. Or if it's not downloaded, just download it real quick, go through all that stuff, and then start playing. Um, rather than kind of always switching out the discs and things, especially when it comes to, you know, managing storage space and all that, it kind of gets real cumbersome to, you know, have to worry about deleting the stuff that the discs are on, 
or that you, I guess, use the discs for. And then, you know, to re-download it, you got to put the disc back in and stuff. You can't just set it and go somewhere. You have to make sure you're physically present. Just It's just easier in this day and age to kind of do everything digitally over the phone app and all that stuff. But, you know, that's just, that's my more recent personal preferences. So I'm very excited. Oh, man. If you guys can't tell, the, the Mass Effect series makes me very hot and bothered over here. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way now um switching gears just a little bit i know I, I alluded to it earlier in terms of like things that maybe aren't so quite exciting and originally i'll give you a little bit of backstory on here i was excited about kind of the prospect of this game coming from uh square enix uh they're doing the publishing for this game and i believe the studio is a new studio called balan something I'm gonna have to look this up real quick. Um, but yeah, in, as you can kind of tell from the name and whatnot, um, the game I'm talking about specifically is Balan Wonderworld. Now, I think the on a previous episode, I mentioned that the game, I think was called Balan Wonderland. And that was my bad. That's that is a correction that I have to make sure that I'm making good on here. But Balan Wonderworld is the name of the game, and they recently released a demo. Um, I believe actually towards the end of last month, so it probably would have been about two months before, or two, yeah, two months total before the game releases. Right? Game comes out March 26th. I think it is a full $60 purchase. And comes with like if if you want to go the route of collector's editions and stuff, I think it's like $125. We'll get to all that in a moment here. Um, but studio wise, I'm trying to find the name of the studio here. I think I had it. Uh, okay, so they called them they call themselves the Balan Company. And you know the putting putting the name or part of the name of your game in your studio title usually. I feel like that kind of signifies that you're pretty confident in this, you know, this product that you're going to be putting out here. It's this studio's first game. Um, the studio is being headed up by um, Yuji Naka, which is one of the creators of Sonic the Hedgehog, and um, Naoto Oshima. And you know, with a couple big names like that, you expect big things. I think it's it's um, correct to be kind of have higher expectations for these kinds of things. And from what we had kind of seen previously, I think when the first game gameplay kind of parts were shown off, or gameplay trailer, I should say, it was looking pretty promising. Like, I, I couldn't, at the time, see why there would be any reason to, like, not have faith in this game. And that kind of feeling lasted all the way up until I played the demo. And the way I found out about the demo was via um, Twitter, where I... Um, one of the people I follow on there, uh, Blessing Adeoye Jr., he had mentioned that he had played the demo and he said something along the lines of, like, this must be what's, what's, um, what's called non-Sonic fans feel about, or this much, this must feel how non-Sonic fans feel about playing Sonic games. And that set off some red flags in my mind because, um, I know Blessing is a pretty big Sonic fan. I don't know if he's quite as big of a Sonic fan as Michael. I don't know if I'm going to take away that title for Michael yet. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, Sonic's number one fan, Michael Ponerero over here, my co-host. Um, but hearing hearing that from another Sonic fan and, you know, knowing that this game is being created by one of the creators of Sonic the Hedgehog, I was like, ooh, not, not a good look right away off the bat. So because he had mentioned that he had played the demo, right, I decided, oh, okay, if there's a demo out, let's go try it out. Let's Let's see what this is all about for Balan Wonderworld. I downloaded that. Um, first off, 
a little bit confusing on the store. There's kind of two different things that you can download. Quickly realized that it's because there is the PS4 version and the PS5 version of the demo. So I was like, great, all right, I got the PS5, I'm gonna play it on there. So I downloaded that, I think it's a difference of like a gigabyte or so. And once it was ready, I jumped in and got to see kind of a cutscene in the beginning. You're, you're, you get to choose between either a male or female character. And it's kind of similar to some games where there's like a little bit of customization, but not like, you know, large amount of customization. Maybe something akin to, um, in my memory, Minecraft story mode. When you first pick your, um, your character, Jesse, you can pick a male or female, and then it kind of has like different skins over the different character choices and whatnot. So in there, similar kind of thing for this game where you choose either a male or female. I think the male's name is Leo and the girl's name is Emma, I want to say. That may be correct. It may be a little bit off. Um, but once you choose who you want to play as, um, it goes into the cutscene, And now you're kind of watching this thing play out where your character that you choose. Um, for me, I chose the, the male character. But you ch you're watching your character kind of going through and it's it's like... He is, all, all of this is very like super cartoon animated kind of stuff, right? Your character, you know, looks like he's, he's having some fun. He's like dancing around a little bit. And then all of a sudden he just like stops dancing. And it's like he has some kind of like heavy weight on his chest kind of thing. Um, and all the other kids around him, like they're trying to like interact with him. And he just kind of like walks past him, doesn't want to interact with him. Like he's like kind of like, you know, feeling super down and doesn't know what's going on, right? Like he's like he's heartbroken a little bit, some might say. Some might say this kind of gives vibes of like Kingdom Hearts a little bit, and I don't think you'd be wrong to think that. But you see, you see that happen with the male character, then it shows the female character, and it's kind of a similar vibe going on, right? Um, along the way, though, they see these little weird, um, almost like fluffy, it's like a mixture between like a bunny and a, like a baby chick kind of thing. And you see these little creatures and they kind of like see you and they run away, right? So your characters start to follow them. And as they're doing that, it's going back and forth between the male and the female um, main characters and showing that they are kind of both being led to, by this creature, to this um, almost like weird looking uh, theater kind of, kind of area. And once they get inside there, the, I guess like the, you know, the name of the game, right, Balan, that main character that is some kind of like crazy magician magic using person or whatever i don't know how to describe him exactly he's got like a big old white hat and is very like funky looking um but he's basically in there and he kind of transports your characters into this kind of like fantastical magical world and whatnot right and that's kind of how the demo gets started um so once you're in there and stuff and i started to play i very quickly realized that something was wrong as I was playing. Um, immediately when I'm when I'm starting to starting the game on its own, the the game doesn't control well. Like you feel really slow and kind of like clunky as you're moving your character around. And that was one like big like ooh this doesn't seem great. But let's try and move past it. Um, another thing though is that as I'm kind of moving in the beginning of the thing. I think as is pretty normal for people that, you know, play a lot of video games and stuff to do, if you don't get a tutorial about like buttons and whatnot right away, sometimes I'll just start pressing buttons to kind of see what's going on. So I went and pressed, you know, the, it's a, it's a, um, 
you know, 3D character platformer kind of thing. So I went and pressed the X button, assuming that it's going to be jump. And I was like, oh, cool. It is. It's jump. This is all fine. I go and press um, the square button and my character jumps as well. And I'm like, all right, this is that's that's weird. Why? Why? Why am I jumping here again? But I'm, I'm going to just ignore this. I press a couple other buttons I do the triangle and circle buttons. Both of them make him jump as well. And now I'm starting to be like, something is wrong here. Like, I'm I'm missing something, but what's what am I missing exactly? So rather than like continue to test out buttons, I was just like, let's just see what's kind of going on here. And so I go into the start menu, go down to the, the settings and control kind of area. On the control area, I was I think I think flabbergasted is a good word for it. I was just like blown away by the ridiculousness of kind of the control map that I was looking at so because basically it shows me the ps5 controller and I'm kind of looking at the different button layouts and everything there's just basically a line with a big circle around the um, X square triangle and circle buttons and you know going away from that line it says that you know those buttons all do this exact same thing which is you know jump or like um, interacting, like confirming kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, that's that's weird. I don't know why why they chose to do this. It's it's strange enough to have four buttons do the exact same thing. But then on the triggers, right, the the L2 and R2 buttons, they also do the exact same thing, where they are jump buttons slash confirm buttons. And now I'm just like, what is what is happening with this like demo here? Like, is this broken for some reason? Like, did they? do this choice on purpose because it's a super weird choice i don't quite understand why they would do this um but apart from that i think the only other two buttons that do something else were the um l1 and r1 button those ones essentially let you choose between the specific um as you could say like character outfit that you're using like the special outfits and we'll kind of get into that a little bit later but um, basically, that was kind of like my first moments of the game. And that's before I've even gone into like the first world that you can play inside of. So right off the bat, I'm, I'm getting real like weird vibes from kind of everything that's going on here. But I decided to kind of push through and try to go and like, you know, play the game, experience what's going on there. Um, so let me just talk real quick about some of the pros of this thing, right? Or some of the um, positives, I think is a better word. So positive sides... The game itself looks pretty, right? Obviously, this is coming from, like I said, the people who made um, Sonic the Hedgehog and other, you know, Square Enix-related games. They're very... And I, I know that Sonic is Sega-related, right? But uh, I'm talking about in terms of kind of both heads on this new studio and whatnot. Um, the game looks very pretty. It does have, like, very strong vibes of, you know, like, Sonic character models and whatnot. So that was, you know, expected, but it's nice to see that the game looks good. Um, the little, you know, like I mentioned, the little rabbit slash chick fusion creatures or whatever that are called, uh, Tims, they're pretty cute. Um, they follow you around. It wasn't really clearly explained why they follow you around. They just kind of do. Um, they follow you throughout the regular levels. And then when you're out of those levels and you go back to the kind of like main hub world kind of thing where you can choose which area you want to go to next, they are waiting for you there as well and just kind of like hopping around. They say their name all the time. They're just kind of like, dim, dim, and all these different things. Um, 
but yeah, you know, just trying, trying to, trying to stay on the positives here. They're cute. They're, they're, they're fun to kind of play around with and stuff. Then the um, enemy designs that I found are pretty interesting as well. I played through only the, so the only things in the, that are available in the demo are the like full first world as well as um, what they call the first half or the first act of worlds four and six, I believe. Um, each um, world appears to be split into kind of two acts, almost like a theater play kind of thing. And at the end of Act 2 is usually when you fight a boss related to that specific uh, world that you've been in. So got to go through the first world, um, played through the first, like, Act 1 and Act 2 of World 1, and then also fought the boss there, which was a werewolf twister kind of character. And, you know, it's it. nothing is really explained in here because there's not a lot of, like, talking going on. Um, the first like theme of like the the world one stuff i think it was called like the man who rages against the storm kind of thing and doesn't explain who the man is it doesn't give me any context as to kind of like what is really going on until like basically you beat the entire like first world and kind of find out via just you know no nondescript kind of like story things going on there's no like words and things inside there it's just all kind of like what you're being presented with image wise. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's all I'll say about that for the, for the time being, I, I feel like I'm going into the negative parts again. <laughs> um, but aside from the cool, um, enemy designs, the, um, concept of having the different suits with different abilities is pretty cool, but let's, let's, let's go over to the negatives because I feel like there's kind of quite a bit wrong with this game so far, which is very worrying for, you know, seemingly a bigger, like a, a release from a bigger publisher that you don't see quite often. Like you don't, I feel like it's so rare to see bigger publishers like Square Enix put out demos for games that are just seemingly so poor in quality. So let's kind of jump into some of the negatives here. So like I mentioned, the, you know, gameplay itself feels clunky and slow. Um, I'm not quite sure why, like um, in terms of the characters, you know, these, these characters are being created by someone who has created Sonic the Hedgehog, which, you know, I know Sonic fans would say it's all about speed. I somewhat disagree on occasion because some of the older games I feel like are more about like platforming than speed itself. But, um, you know, it's, it's not, not in doubt at all that Sonic games do tend to try and go fast quite a bit. Um, but for that kind of, you know, knowing that these guys have some Sonic background and then going over to this game, it's just like mind boggling a little bit. Um, the characters, so the not, not your characters, but there are certain characters within the world, like these um, animal-like figures and whatnot that are kind of walk on two legs and stuff that you can see them in the world occasionally and you'd think that like you know like these characters are either like one bad guys um which generally they're not um maybe two they are kind of characters you can like interact with or something but found that out pretty quickly that's also not true because all these characters when you go close to them they just kind of like fade out of existence and they stop being like in the game for whatever reason None of it is really explained why. They just kind of like, as soon as you get close enough to them, they just disappear. And when you get further away from them, they kind of fade back into view again. And it's very, very strange. Um, aside from 
those things there, um, like I mentioned, there's not really anything that's explained within the demo. Like they don't really go into a whole lot of explanation on kind of like the story until you get to the very end of the world. They don't really tell you, you know, like what is what is exactly happening. Because when you first go into the world one area, you can see that the world looks very pretty, but the the world has this kind of weird warp going on where in like the distance you can see the ground and stuff is kind of like almost like um almost like the world's on a curve basically which you know sounds sounds dumb because our world is round but um basically it's like you can see things kind of floating upwards towards the air and you can see that everything is very clearly like curved but as you get closer to stuff it kind of starts to flatten out again um, it's not really explaining what's going on here other than just kind of this world is like supposed to be kind of like fantastical and like weird and stuff. Um, obviously we have the whole like snafu with like one button being, or sorry, one, one, um, specific action that all the buttons seem to do. Um, and then just like smaller things like the actual changing between the different, um, abilities that you can find takes like a second or two to actually change the you know the the character suit and each time you do that like in in the beginning it's it's fine with those changes kind of happening and whatnot but when you're trying to do you know more complicated things like switching between you know character outfits and then kind of starting to like attack enemies and stuff like that and each time it's taking one or two seconds to do that it's really just like slowing things down and it's really just a huge detriment to this game overall. Um, I don't know really if they're going to keep a lot of these things in here or not, but honestly at this point, if, if a lot of these things are kept in there, this is not going to be a game that I am going to pick up probably ever. Like even a super easy trophy list would not push me to want to play this game because as it feels right now, the game feels really bad to play. Um, just kind of being straight and honest with it there. And it's surprising that this is supposed to be a $60 game purchase and whatnot. I just, I can't quite understand what the logic is with this and how like, you know, the same company that like develops and publishes things like the Final Fantasy series has somehow greenlit uh, Balland Wonderworld and has let it go on in this in this form for so long. Now maybe this is like I, I think I was telling Michael like maybe this is like a super huge head fake where they're like we're gonna put out this demo and make people think the game is really bad so that expectations are low and then when the game actually comes out boom it's gonna be all different and it's gonna be amazing and stuff because that would be a pretty you know ridiculous kind of thing like it's almost like kind of hamstringing yourself originally and making people lose interest in the game in hopes that, you know, when it comes out and it's really good, that people are like, oh, I want to play this thing now. Um, maybe it's also just trying to get people in with that morbid curiosity of seeing how things turn out. But, man, I, I don't have, I don't really have any high hopes for this game at all at the moment, which is really unfortunate. Uh, originally, in the beginning of the year, I was thinking that March was going to be a really, you know, promising month in, in 2021 as far as video games were concerned so far, because I think we originally had Returnal coming out then, um, Balan Wonderworld, when I thought that it was going to be something cooler. I think also um, It Takes Two is coming out then, and I think even the Prince of Persia um, HD remake, I think is what it's called. Um, that one's also coming out then as well. So a few like decent things coming out but now um returnal has been pushed i think into the end of 
Is that right? At the end of April, I believe. And Bound Wonderworld has just like flown off the deep end in terms of like interest and stuff. So we'll have to kind of see there how things turn out. Um, for people, and then let's just kind of swing back around to the whole like price point thing. Because I mentioned that, you know, the game is 60 bucks, but the collector's edition is $125. And Square Enix has got to be out of their mind right now to think that people are going to pay. $125 to like get their hands on this thing after playing the demo like it's insane guys to think about this um, and the other insane thing is I think I heard recently that um, collector's edition is sold out at the moment now I don't know if this is a kind of like scalpers kind of like play where you know people have you know bought up a lot of collector's edition in hopes of being able to you know sell them back because I think I think on eBay, if you wanted to buy it from someone who has like so so called like pre-ordered it and stuff, it appears that you can buy it for like two hundred something dollars. But man, guys, if, if this may be like one of the few times where if this is a scalper's play and whatnot, that this is man looking looking pretty bad for them. And you know if that's the case, good riddance on scalpers. But it's just insane that that. Square Enix thinks it's going to be worth <laughs> this kind of money. And you guys know I don't say much about like what I think games are worth generally and stuff. I generally think that you know things are priced appropriately for the most part on most titles because I have a hard time thinking of games that have come, you know come out for a certain price point and are just totally off the deep end like not worth it. But if we are going to be judging based off of this demo so far, definitely not going to be worth like a $60 purchase in my opinion. So if people are interested in it, like maybe for their kids and stuff, that might be a different story. But honestly, like if I was a kid and I had kind of seen, or if I, if I was a kid and I had played this demo, I would not be interested in it at all either. Like there are so many other great kid games out there. Like Mario has, you know, room to run like circles around this game and stuff. And not just in like a whole like Mario versus Sonic kind of thing because you know, creators of Sonic and whatnot, but in just the aspects of the game itself being fun to play, like this one is just not. And it's it's hard to believe that this is two months away from when the game is actually gonna release. Um, let's go ahead and move away from all that because I think I've, I've said about all I think I'm gonna say about this for the moment. Hopefully when it eventually comes out, I'll be morbidly curious to kind of see what scores it gets. I think at the moment, a game released today called uh what was it werewolf werewolf the apocalypse earthblood i think on ps5 slash ps4 as well and i think that is officially the lowest scored game of the ps5 so far on metacritic and i think there's only like 30 something games out so far um but i think this one landed at a 55 which um was a little bit of a relief on my part not the score itself but the fact that i was originally considering maybe picking this up just on the off chance that it was actually like a really really cool sleeper hit that hadn't got much um, talk about it but i decided to hold off and just kind of wait for the reviews and good thing i did guys because 55 ooh, that's a real rough rough start for certain games like that but uh, I wanted to spotlight a few things that I have been able to play lately. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about is called Shining Resonance Refrain. This is a game I got on sale, um, I think a week or two ago. I'm, it may still actually be on sale at the moment. I think it's a remaster of a older Japanese game. And the game's actually really cool so far. It has kind of a battle system that reminds me a bit of, 
you know, almost like a mixture of uh, the Yeez games, or the, the YS is the, the title there, the Yeez series, or um, the Tales series as well, kind of just like, you know, you have like a circular battle arena, and you have to go and fight these creatures, or fight these enemies and creatures and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got a, it's got a fun kind of battle system. It's also got some pretty cool characters so far. Um, and it's got this interesting story in the background where your main character can transform into a dragon. Apparently he has kind of like a dragon spirit living inside of him. And he was kind of placed in prison by this empire that it seems like is, you know, probably on the evil side, but kind of kind of keeping tight control over like these different like countries and whatnot and your character gets broken out of uh, jail by a couple people that are on the i guess you could say almost like on the resistance side kind of thing because the empire hasn't taken over entirely but i think they're they're like halfway there across this continent and so it's got a pretty cool like opening prologue kind of thing so I'll be interested to kind of play some more of that. I haven't jumped too far into it yet, but I am enjoying the kind of setting and the story and the characters so far. So that's a that's a nice sign there. Um, got to play a little bit more of CrossCode and did not realize how large this game is going to be. Um, Michael was telling me that he was, I think he was looking things up and he was like, yeah, dude, this thing looks like it's going to be like dozens of hours. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Like this is, this seemed like it was going to be much smaller than that when I originally started it, but I started to play some of it some more recently and it's definitely looking like Michael was right. Like the, it's funny cause it's a game about these characters that are kind of inside of a video game, which is a weird kind of inception kind of thing, <laughs> but, uh, a lot of fun so far. The, the combat system in cross code is very cool. And then just the kind of the characters interactions with each other is very like comical and kind of, uh, uplifting and whatnot. So that's been a fun one to play. Um, I also started a little bit of Yeez 9, speaking of the, the Yeez series. Um, it's called Monstrum Nox. That's kind of the subtitle there. And the funny thing about the name that I discovered is that um, they do call the creatures that you kind of fight and stuff monstrums. Or at least some of the, the I guess, originally in the game, the antagonists faction that you're kind of learning about is called monstrums and i think you actually become part of the monstrums later um it's actually like a group of these kind of like seemingly like like cursed people kind of thing like they have kind of different animal like characteristics for some of them um but i was i had a a little bit of a laugh because i'm playing it on um japanese language settings and then just kind of with english subtitles and stuff and when they say monstrum in there, they're really just saying like monster in Japanese or like one of the words for monster kind of thing. And it kind of gave me a little bit of like a laugh because it's one of these weird times where things are very like specifically, you know, translated um, in terms of like the game itself. They're, they're kind of translated into the specific name, which is monstrum that they've given the, you know, the, the bad guys and stuff. And you know, it's, it's something that you don't probably, you know, pick up if it, you're just playing it in English and stuff. So I thought it was a little bit of a, an interesting thing there, but the Yeez series has always been a very fun, um, series in terms of gameplay. So the combat there is very quick and, and easy to pick up and stuff. Um, very fluid and satisfying to kind of go through and like dodge things with right timings and kind of get those, um, slow down effects when you're fighting enemies and have dodged correctly. Um, Along with that, I got to play a little bit of Control recently on the PS5. The um, Ultimate Edition finally released on the PS5, and so I got to play some of that there. I had originally played a little bit of Control to begin with, I think back when it came out on PS4, and 
earlier on, I think when I played it the first, I didn't play through the entire thing, but um, when I played that little bit of chunk of control originally on the PS4, I was very much so like kind of lost as I was playing this time around, because I'm coming back to it and replaying that beginning section. I feel like I'm kind of picking up on things a little bit faster and a little bit um, easier. It's kind of got to do with more like supernatural kind of things. And it's been actually a lot of fun. Like I've, the funny thing is like originally when I played, I was reading all of the collectibles that I would find. And now because I, you know, in my mind, I read those in the past and don't need to read them again. Even though if you were to ask me what they all said, I probably wouldn't remember any of them. <laughs> but um, I'm kind of ignoring the collectibles and just kind of continuing with like playing the stuff and then trying to glean things off of just like regular story beats and stuff like that. And it seems like it's actually working pretty well. Like maybe I'm just picking up more the second time around and it's been a little bit easier to keep up because occasionally the, you know, the subtitles that will come across um, when you're talking with what they call the, um, shoot, what are they? The I think they call them the board is like um, what they're they're known as. It seems like there's some kind of like alien or like supernatural entity that you kind of converse with as the director and listening to them, listening slash reading what they were saying previously. It's kind of hard to keep up with sometimes because they have these kind of like dual meaning words and stuff that are there on purpose. And it's been interesting kind of going through the second time around because I'm picking up a lot more. So as I kind of get further into that, hopefully I'll be able to beat this game you know, sometime within the next like month or two and give you guys kind of a full rundown on how I kind of understand it. But I'm enjoying it so far. It's been cool to kind of jump back into control and kind of see which things I missed the first time around and kind of how I'm understanding things the second time. So very, very fun there. And the last one, which has also been surprisingly fun, has been um, Destruction All-Stars, which came out... Uh, the beginning of February is a PS Plus free game, and man, I I didn't think I was going. Well, let's, I shouldn't say I didn't think I was going to enjoy it because I thought it would be you know decently fun. I didn't think I'd be playing as much of it as I find myself doing. Uh, lately, these past uh, I guess probably two days or so, the game time that I've gotten in on Destruction All Stars has been way more than I think any other game I've been playing, which is surprising for one but also kind of refreshing for two um it's a multiplayer game where basically you drive around cars and either try to kind of wreck other people's cars or knock them out of areas and it kind of depends on what type of game mode you're playing um the main two ones that i've been playing so far are the i think original one which is mayhem and the one of the other ones which is a solo one rather than like a team sport one um, which I believe is called Gridfall. Um, Gridfall, specifically, you're kind of trying to be the last one surviving in the arena. Everyone has one life, and I think you can have... You, you do have the ability to gain extra lives, depending on how much like damage and like wreckage you're causing, but I don't think I've seen anyone yet actually make it into having multiple lives because everyone starts off with one life, and there's only 16 people in the game, so... By the end of that, everyone is pretty much, you know, everyone if, if everyone is dying without respawning, basically, from what I've seen. And it's a lot of fun so far, surprisingly. Like, the, I was kind of worried that it wasn't going to, you know, feel good to drive. Because, like, when you're, when you're playing a game that's all about, like, cars and stuff, and it's kind of more, you know, like, I wouldn't say arcadey, but, like, more of, like, a multiplayer kind of thing, 
if the game doesn't like feel good to play already, then you know it's it's probably not worth your time. Like the reason why Rocket League was I feel like such a hit was just because the game felt good to play, uh, as well as you know being released on PS Plus when it first came out, and just kind of the concept of you know soccer but with cars is a pretty cool kind of thing there so that one had kind of like loads of success there i don't see destruction all-stars being as popular as that but for people who you know remember playing things like twisted metal and stuff i think they may be the ones that kind of you know really really lock into this new game as well as just like you know kids i've been hearing a lot of kids on the the mics and stuff which has been funny um, because with the PS5, um, obviously this this game is only available on PS5, so the DualSense controllers all have a mic built in, and every time you get into a match, all of the mics are on by default at the beginning, and you can then go ahead and either like mute your mic or um, mute the what's it called? Um, mute the, the the party chat and stuff, so you're not hearing people talk. But it's been a weird mixture of you know just seemingly like adult people that are kind of like talking and living their lives doing whatever some of them being like vulgar and annoying but um other people just kind of like you know playing games while you can hear maybe like their kids in the background that are you know trying to like learn on the computer and stuff like that in in virtual classes um but hearing them and then the mixture of like little kids who are just playing this because it's not a um m-rated game i don't believe if anything it's probably rated like t or something but hearing like these these you know like young probably elementary school kids that are playing this i i've had a few times where i've had a good laugh just because i think one of one of the ones i remember today was a little kid who was you know i was i was playing the gridfall um game mode and he was doing like okay and stuff i managed to last i think till maybe like third or fourth place or something and then i got knocked out but while I was still around, there was a few kids that were playing in the game, and the kids, I think, have the best reactions when they get, like, knocked out or something, because you, you really hear them be like, oh, no, no, I'm going down, like, all these, all these like, really, you know, over-exaggerated kind of reactions, <laughs> and then one of the kids, I think he was still in there after I got knocked out, and he, he mentioned something where he was, I think in his mind he was talking smack to to some of the other like players and stuff but like hearing this kid say what he was saying i was just like man kids kids are on like a totally different like world sometimes because <laughs> i think he said something along the lines of like oh man i'm doing so well even my even my hamster thinks i'm gonna win <laughs> and i was just like what are you talking about kid what's what's going on over here in your brain right now but it's a lot of fun so far like it's just kind of silly good-natured fun and that's it's really just keeping me going i think i at the moment have reached level 19 out of i think either like 50 or 100 max or something like that um but you you level up pretty quickly like if playing the mayhem modes you're almost every match guaranteed to get at least like twelve thousand points i believe if you stick it all the way through and then in the gridfall ones, um, because the matches are much quicker, depending on kind of how long it takes for you to get knocked out, um, you can get, you know, if, if you, I think, I think the fastest I've got knocked out was, you know, like 16th place, basically out of 16 people. And I think I still got like around 3000 experience points for that match alone. So it's pretty quick to kind of rack up experience. And over time, it starts to get harder and harder to level up, but it's been a lot of fun. And I think this is the first time that I've seen... 
Um, actually, I think in the original announcement of the PS5, they mentioned that they were hoping for trophies to kind of have rewards tied to them. And I think this is the first game that I've actually seen rewards tied to trophies on the PS5. Um, for this game specifically, it is kind of in the form of uh, like your your personal like character emblems and like banners and stuff for your name. So you can kind of change those things around as far as like customization goes. And then as you're leveling up, you're getting um, coins that you can then use to unlock different character skins and the like. You can also pay for actual, um, I guess, like in-game currency kind of things, not the gold currency that you use for certain character emotes. Um, but you can use, get like this uh, pink currency rather than the gold one and use that to buy kind of like more exclusive items. Um, obviously kind of pulling in that microtransaction kind of side there, but it's pretty cool so far. Like I'm very pleasantly surprised at the moment. I know people have been saying that the game is not like anything super special. And I'm not saying that it's like game changing in the world of like multiplayer car games or anything like that. Cause obviously rocket league has that, um, crown. And I think we'll wear that probably for a long, long time. Um, but as far as like just being a, you know, competent multiplayer game and fun has like a, a good, good enough fun factor kind of thing. It's something that's bringing me back in that I still just want to like play matches every now and then. And I think that's, you know, kind of the point for these types of games. So I think that so far I, I would probably score it a little bit higher than it's kind of at on Metacritic. I think Metacritic's got it at like a 68 or 67 right now. And I would say it's at least worth like a 7.5 or something like that. Um, but cool, cool. Definitely worth um, checking out for anyone who's got a PS5 and is a PS Plus member, which I imagine anyone with a PS5 at this point has PlayStation Plus as well. So <laughs> just worth checking it out if you want to jump into a quick multiplayer match. And if you don't like it, that's cool. But if you do like it, then, you know, just just try it out and maybe I'll see you on there. Um, that's all we got for this week though. I look forward to podcasting for you all again next week. Thanks for coming in to listen as always. And you know, just like any other episode, feel free to write in to brosandconsoles at gmail.com. I will answer any kind of questions either directly on email or um, on the show as well, depending on kind of what the questions are. And then, um, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at Indy Ronan, no space in there, um, or on PSN with the same thing there as well. Um, if you see me on Destruction All-Stars and you have a PS5, feel free to jump in and we can, I don't know, I don't know exactly how that works in terms of like forming parties and stuff on there and then playing games that way, but it'd be cool. I, I know there are some team game modes in uh, Destruction All-Stars and I'd be willing to try those out, but we'll have to see how that all goes. Hopefully people don't start to get real good at this game real quick because that is when it gets harder for me to keep on playing these things. <laughs> I don't know yet what the kind of like uh, what is that matchmaking system is kind of doing on the back end. I don't know if it's matching you up with people who are similar skill levels or if it's just kind of throws everybody into the same pot and whatnot. Um, oh, didn't realize that rhymed there, but yeah, it'll be cool to kind of see where this game goes and everything. And maybe I'll have more to talk about next week. Maybe I'll be on to something else because that kind of stuff does happen. And we do have the Neo collection coming out tomorrow. I just realized, so that'll be a fun thing there. But I'm um, sorry for the later episode this week, and thank you all for tuning in. I will talk to you guys again next week, and until then, stay safe, stay happy, play some video games, and I will see you all on the flip side. Thanks, and peace out. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.